You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We're looking at John chapter 20, some of the imperatives of the resurrection. Matthew makes it nice and easy. There's just four imperatives. In this one, we've got several imperatives that we'll look at. We're going to begin reading at verse 10 of chapter 20 of the Gospel of John. John was chosen because we're getting ready to start a series called Following Jesus, which we're going to look at some moments of transformation from the Gospel of John. And uh, that's going to be a wonderful, wonderful study. Verse 10, Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray. We thank you for your word. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to now take and apply it to our lives. 
I pray that there would be things that would happen to our hearts, our minds, our spirit, and our, and our souls this morning as we expose ourselves intentionally to your word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe there's some here today that there's a divine appointment, that God is releasing his grace from heaven to earth, and he's, relieving, he's releasing to you a grace to do what you've always wanted to do. Believe. We all believe at some level, but there's always more. There's a greater faith, a greater dynamic of being able to believe the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray today that from heaven to earth, there is a grace that's released, that wherever you are, you'll get an upgrade in your ability to believe, that your capacity in your heart and in your spirit to absorb the truth of God's love would increase and that your ability to trust would go off the charts. Easter is what it is because together with the crucifixion of Christ, it is the central event of world history, the moment towards which everything was rushing and from which everything emerges new. So as we look at the imperatives, let's look at the imperatives that first come to Mary. Jesus said, don't hold me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. There's a lot of opinions about why Jesus told Mary not to hold her, not to touch him, <clears throat> why not to hold on to him. Uh, all sorts of theories. You can go check the commentaries, enjoy them. I heard something last national conference that I just really, really enjoyed. And it was like, as Jesus was resurrected and as he was ascending to be with the Father, he heard someone crying at the, tombs, at the tomb. And he heard Mary's cries. And his, his love and concern interrupted his ascension to the Father and he came back to engage her, but not having yet been to the Father. And so there was no occasion for a good old hug. But he wanted her to know, because he saw the, the desperation, the depths of her despair. Mm. I love that. I think that's a, a beautiful way to look at that. Others have said it's, it's because now Relationship with Jesus is completely changing. There is a redefining of relationship. And relationship with Jesus will no longer just be the embrace, but now it's going to be the impartation of the Holy Spirit, whereby he lives in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I, I like that one too. That's pretty good. So whatever reason, the first command the first imperative is do not hold me. There is to be a re-identification, a redefining of the relationship. Hmm. Second, he says, go to my brothers. Now, if you're one of the disciples and you've just forsaken him, you denied him, you betrayed him, you all fled and departed like sheep not having a shepherd and you took off. It's kind of nice when you hear Jesus call you 
my brother, my sister. That's kind of nice. So there's a, a sense of going to the family, going to those that belong to me, those that are in relationship with me. They're my brothers and sisters. He says, tell them I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. It's always about relationship, 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 relationship. Realize that the gospel and, and the whole thing of Christianity is not a holding to a doctrine, but it's holding on to a person in personal relationship. It's not a system of beliefs, although there are beliefs. It is a relational dynamic and it's a relationship with a person. Now God, as Jesus has come to the earth, he's revealed to us, to God, to us that God is Father. And so now we're relating to him differently than the sovereign one that's scary, that we don't understand and we don't know what to do. But now he's being redefined as the father of Jesus, who is now the father of each one of us. He's your father. <clears throat> so she goes. The new covenant has been established through the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus and the release of the Holy Spirit. We get to begin to live in the new covenant. The imperatives to the disciples. Here there's only one imperative, but we're going to look at some of the dynamics of what takes place in this, this passage of Scripture. As Jesus appears because they're hiding behind locked doors, you would think he would say, fear not. Isn't that what all the angels say when they make a, an entrance? And, but he just says, peace be to you. I love that. Peace be with you. It's no fear not, just the greeting, the typical greeting, but it's not typical anymore. And it gets repeated to help us understand that. After he greets them, and they're all astonished, he reveals himself to them. He shows them his hands and his side, <laughs> and they're allowed to look and see that it's actually Jesus. This is one of the things that, that makes our faith so, so special is that it's got a historical dynamic to it. This isn't a myth. This isn't something that was just articulated. The reality that John is trying to display here is that those piercings that Jesus suffered huh, on the hill as he was crucified are still present with him. I've got one message called the scars of the resurrection, which I love to look at what those scars represent. They always represent his love. And so they look and they see, and <laughs> they're, they're amazed. The scripture says, and they are overjoyed because <laughs> they saw the Lord. They didn't see a ghost. They didn't see a hologram. They saw the living Lord Jesus. You'll find that 
chapter 20 and John is kind of the fulfillment of much that takes place earlier in chapters 14 through 16. In chapter 16, Jesus, as he's preparing, preparing them for his death, he says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn. And they've been doing that for two and a half days while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. So when it says that they're overjoyed, it's a fulfillment of what Jesus has already prophesied to them before he died, before he went to the cross. And now the joy that is taking place is off the charts. I, I, I hate that there's just a part of a verse. I'd like to know what, what that looked like, that they were overjoyed. If they were flag wavers, they'd be like Ray and Brenda, and they'd just be going at it. You know, if they were dancers like Linda, they'd be doing a little ditty. Who knows? But there was joy, uncontainable joy. I love it. And so Jesus helps them compose and says, peace be with you. And here's the commission. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. It's the commission right here in John. It's not the great commission of Matthew 28. This is John's version. It happens right there in the room. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the only imperative that's used in this whole passage. Receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody know what an imperative is? It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. It's a command. It's something that you are told to do. Pick up your toys. That's not a suggestion from mom and dad. No, Maria and Armando Jr. is not in here. They're out and haven't said It is a command. It's an imperative. It's not something to negotiate. And of everything that we've looked at, the non-negotiable here is about receiving the Holy Spirit. Why do you think that is? As Jesus has come and died and was raised on the third day and ascended to heaven, then there's the release at the day of Pentecost of the Holy Spirit. And now the Spirit of Christ lives in us. If you do not receive the Holy Spirit, you don't know the reality that Jesus intended for you to know in this new redefined relationship with him. I think that's why the Holy Spirit, everybody will... will finds one reason or another to get their nose out of joint over some dynamic gift or manifestation of the Holy Spirit because the evil one knows and the kingdom of darkness knows that the Holy Spirit is the crucial imperative of the full life of the believer. And so we'll have you get offended. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Unfortunately, your will oftentimes does not get violated. Oftentimes. <laughs> then he goes on. If you forgive, they are forgiven. 
If not, they're not forgiven. <clears throat> now, this isn't a power move for the apostles to say, if you want forgiveness, you got to do what I tell you. No. It's, it's not the indulgences that we see in the Middle Ages of trying to get some kind of financial gain through the forgiveness extension. But it's a reality to us. Jesus, when he was on the earth, had authority to forgive sins. And so we, we know in the, in the story of the guy that's let through the ceiling, he says, your sins are forgiven. And all the religious people got all upset because who can forgive sins but God? God's son can. The one that was sent by the father has the authority to forgive sins. What did Jesus just say? As the father has sent me and I had authority to forgive sins. So now I am sending you. And as you are sent by the father through the son, you now have the authority in the kingdom to forgive sin. Now, it's not my righteousness that forgives the sin, that atones for the sin, that makes it go away. It's the authority that has been extended to me as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, that now I can enforce the reality of his death, his resurrection, and his ascension over every mistake, everything that you've ever done. And so do you, to others. As you have received that for yourself, you now become a representative, having been sent by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, you now have the ability to forgive the sins of those as you come in contact. I think that's amazing. Religion will try to twist that into some kind of power and manipulative tactic over people. And that's never been in the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is freely you have received, freely give. And so we have to understand the loving heart of the Father if we're going to get the full impact of what he's saying about forgiveness. So it behooves us to make sure that we have forgiven as we have received forgiveness. Our third is the imperatives to Thomas. He's not there. Aren't you glad that Thomas wasn't there, that he missed the first meeting? How many people did that help? <laughs> it's like, okay. It's interesting that in John's gospel, he, he really focuses in on this because he knows that believing is very difficult if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, you can't believe it. Before we get real hard on Thomas, let's realize that the 10 that were there, they saw. They saw the nail prints. They saw the piercing in the side. They saw Jesus. They saw him eat. They couldn't quite figure out how he got in the room, but they saw and they believed. And here's Thomas, he, he didn't see, and they are so full of joy and they're bubbly and they're just trying to encourage Thomas that it really is Jesus and that he's alive. 
Oh, that sounds like something that's repetitive, isn't it? Yeah, Mary, she goes to the disciples at the beginning of this chapter and says, I've seen the Lord. And they all looked at her like, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You're, you're off your rocker. What's, what's going on? But then they see, and now they're trying to persuade Thomas, the only disciple that wasn't there. And they're trying to persuade him. And it can't, doesn't matter how much joy and exuberance they have, they're not able to convince because he hasn't seen. Mm. So here comes Jesus a week later. He greets them as usual with peace be with you. And here's the imperatives to Thomas. Put your fingers here. It's not an invitation like, hey, Thomas, I hear you're having a little trouble believing. If you'd like to, would you like to come over here and you want to put your fingers here? You want, you want to? No. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. These are commands. These aren't holy suggestions. Then the killer. Stop doubting. Believe. Now, if you're reading this in the original language, there's a little letter that you put in front of, of the word that negates it. And so instead of not stop doubting, it could be stop not believing. Stop not believing, believe. Okay, that may come a little clearer because you may have some honest doubts about things and that's all right. You can, you can have honest doubts will always lead to faith. So sometimes the enemy gets us sidewise when we think, well, I still, I still got some questions about this. Okay, that's okay. No problem. But it says stop doubting, so I know I'm doubting, and so I must not be uh, born again. I must not really be true. Oh, my. And it's like, no, no, no. That's not what it's saying. It says stop not believing. You'll still have some doubts. You'll still have some things that you'll need to have clarification for. That's perfectly acceptable with Jesus. Just stop not believing. Yeah. Believe. And you'll find that as you take your first step of belief, it'll give you the, the momentum to take the next step and to take the next step. And so never are you expected to go from here all the way up to here in a second. It's like, no, there's a gradual. And we find that our faith increases. Paul writes in one of his letters and he says, from faith to faith, from faith to faith. We're, we're continually developing our faith. So believe. Stop not believing. <laughs> not believing, believing. Yes. And Thomas's response is, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus pronounces a blessing on us. Are you ready? Get your hearts open. Get ready to receive it. It's a blessing that Jesus has for you. And this is what he says. Because you have seen me, you have believed, Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet have believed. Thank God for seeing is believing. <laughs> Thank God that we get to see things and that really increases our faith. But there is a blessing that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ to everyone who has not seen and yet believes. And I think that's only possible because of the grace of the Lord that goes before. Theologically, we call it prevenient grace. It's the grace that goes and it sets the environment for faith to become live and active. And I, that's been my prayer this morning. Lord, would you release a grace to us that as we hear the good news of the resurrection of Jesus, that we would stop not believing at whatever point we're not believing and begin believing. And that's as a result of grace from heaven to earth coming. And I know that we've got all sorts of people here today but I believe that the Lord has brought you here for that purpose. He wants to either give you that initial experience of belief where you go from being one who hasn't confessed that Jesus is Lord and hasn't believed that God raised him from the dead, that you, you start at that point and that becomes your entry level of relationship with God today where you say, okay, I, I see that now and man, there's something different about what's going on in my heart today. Lord, I want to believe you. I want to believe that you are the Lord and I believe that you were raised from the dead. There is the confession of our lips that Jesus is Lord and there's the belief in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And as we receive those two, that becomes the point of stopping not believing and we start believing. Now there's maybe a whole lot of other things that we're not believing about, but we started. We've, we've got the entry level belief, and now we're ready to move on to the next level as the Lord leads and guides and cares for us. My confidence is not in my ability to be a good son. It's in his ability as a good father who knows how to raise his son. And that takes the pressure off of you and it puts it into the relationship with your father who loves you. And as your father deals with this not believing, then he'll deal with this not believing, and then he'll deal with this not believing, and pretty soon this belief will lead to this belief, will lead to this belief that will lead to this, and our faith will grow and mature, and we will be his sons and daughters. Yeah. Now that's good news. Amen. So wherever you're at today, if today's the first day that you're going, to, you realize that there's, a, there's a, a grace from the Father that is being released so that you can believe in the Son. You can believe that Jesus loves you and died for you. <laughs> Start there. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for these divine moments. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release faith to believe for each and every one of us. For those that haven't begun, let there be the initial release of relationship because of your grace and love. Draw each one of us to yourself. For those that are walking with you at whatever level of belief, 
I pray that today from heaven to earth, there would be a release of a grace that would cause us to believe even more than we've ever believed. For Lord, if we're going to accomplish the goal as you commissioned the, the disciples and now you commission us, for us to ever believe that we have been sent from you just as you were sent from the Father, we'll never have the boldness, we'll never have the power or authority if our faith doesn't increase. So I pray for upgrades. I pray, Father, for upgrades in the body of Christ at large, upgrades in our fellowship here at Mount Comfort. I pray, Father, that you would release what we need today so that we could go from where we are to where you want us to be, to help us take the next step of faith. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.